Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Hey, really glad you're with us for the Monday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving break. Hope you enjoyed our specials. And now we're back to our regular fair, good, bad, and crazy martinis for conservatives today. But for those of you who thought there might be a little bit of chatter about the uh, Bears-Jets game yesterday, uh, you were correct. Jim was there uh, at the uh, MetLife Stadium. Uh, It was, I believe, raining the entire time, Jim. I saw a nice picture of you under the poncho. Um, the Jets, uh, were decisive victors, 31 to 10 moves you into, uh, currently a playoff position. Uh, and so, uh, you have a lot to play for right now. Your, your new quarterback, Mike White looked good. The Bears backup quarterback, Trevor Simeon, not as much, uh, wish Justin Fields could have been part of this, but, uh, nonetheless, congratulations. I feel like a political candidate who comes to the podium around 930 in the evening to concede because, uh, while the early precincts, uh, tended to favor us a little bit, uh, we didn't get nearly the percentage of the vote there that we needed to. And so by the time we got to your strongholds, uh, it was a lost cause. So congratulations and, and good luck the rest of the way. Greg, it is so unusual to think of the fourth quarter as a jet stronghold. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I was at the game. I was lucky enough to, I was able to join. Uh, for the first time, both my sons came to a jet game with myself, my brother, my father, my uncle, and my cousin. We were actually a huge full crowd there. And as much as it would have been great to have Greg there, he would not have had as much fun, not just because of the game, but also because the game was played during a monsoon. <laughs> uh, for those who watched it, you could see it coming down. And what it doesn't really, what the picture television images don't get you is just how cold uh, and miserable that rain was, you know, making little pools in your poncho uh, in between your legs. So, yes, it was a thoroughly wet game. Uh, hurricane-like conditions. I exaggerate slightly, but it was it was pretty lousy. But it was great to enjoy. I look forward to seeing the Bears in the Super Bowl as much as I enjoyed this. I think Greg's got more to look forward to with Justin Fields than I have with Zach Wilson. But that's okay because the entire week I've been telling my kids, you know what? When things seem down, when you're frustrated, when you're stressed this week, just think of those magic words. Mike White, Mike White, (laughs) as the stadium was chanting the entire time. Also, while the Jets were on offense, when when Mike White was trying to call an audible. So (laughs) we need to work on that a little bit, Jet fans. Jim, I don't know if you keep track of these sorts of things, but I know last year you went to at least one game uh, and they beat the Titans, I believe. Correct. Uh, This year they beat the Bears. Um, Are the Jets substantially better when you're in the house? That seems to be the case. It's been a while since I've seen a loss. Now, some of this also is we tend, you know, you notice we don't pick the Patriot games. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, so we look at scheduling issues and uh, ticket availability and stuff like that. And it's worked out well for us, so... If I bring you in four years, Greg, you can't jinx it. Oh, we might get to go to the Windy City, have some deep dish, depending oh, on where the game is. Yeah, that's a lot to look forward to. But uh, anyway, congratulations and uh, uh, good luck the rest of the way. If you keep winning, you control your destiny. It's like a something the Emperor would say from Star Wars. Uh, you know, <laughs> so um, fulfill your destiny. All right, uh, on to our good martinis now, Jim. And uh, it looks like at least for now, 
the Chinese people in a bunch of different places around the country are fed up with the stranglehold of control coming from the government. Uh, looked like uh, there was video yesterday of folks in Wuhan tearing down barriers designed uh, to separate people due to the latest COVID outbreak. There were some images of quarantine camps uh, capable of holding tens of thousands of people in isolation, uh, at least 100 people, I'm guessing probably more than that if it made a lot of uh, uh, headlines, were gathering in Tiananmen Square just arguing for universal human rights, democracy, freedom, equality, and things like that. Uh, We know the last time that happened in Tiananmen Square did not end the way we wanted to, but I think it's a little bit... uh, Easier now for the message to get out due to social media and uh, and for it's harder for the Chinese to get away with repressing the way they did back in 1989. So uh, I'm sure they're not going to like the protests. I'm sure there'll be some recriminations. But uh, the fact that there seems to be this uh, swelling up of courage in China is not only great for the Chinese people, but hopefully it'll get a response out of this administration, which uh, seems to be reluctant to do that there or anywhere else these days. Well, Greg, right as we started taping, they did issue a one paragraph statement that makes uh, milk toast look like Tabasco sauce, Um, (laughs) a generic disapproval. Well, that's not what we're doing. We're focusing on solutions for Americans. Please don't be angry at us, Xi Jinping. Um, I'm I'm paraphrasing, but you get the gist. Uh, So I think there are two important lessons for this. Uh, from watching these increasingly widespread protests. First of all, yeah, I think you could say this is probably the biggest uprising or most so, certainly much more widespread than Tiananmen Square. Um, but I think it's very symbolic. I think it's very significant. As somebody pointed out, this is actually something that's bringing, you know, because the lockdowns and the really strict uh, restrictions on daily life in China affect so many people, you've got everybody from the factory owners to the factory workers uh, a very wide range of Chinese who are saying, enough, we're fed up with this. Um, first of all, for those of us in the United States, this is an important lesson of A, zero COVID never worked. I, I, you know, you, you can argue that it, it put off infections, but all it did was delay infections. It did not actually, you cannot stop or contain a virus that is contagious as the common cold. The only thing you can do is to prepare your body for it. Now, if you're young and healthy, you're probably going to get through it okay. If you're elderly or immunocompromised, maybe not. That's why we rolled out the vaccines. I know not everybody uh, chose to embrace the vaccines. And in a free country, that's your right. I don't think we should be running around firing people for uh, not getting the vaccines. But we took steps. People's you know, uh, bodies were prepared. And now in America, COVID-19 is really kind of this afterthought. I went, you know, I wrote about this in today's Morning Jolt. I went looking at it. Um, right now, if you go to the CDC website, the COVID-19 isn't on the front page. It's actually about RSV prevention, which is a different, uh, uh, contagious virus. Um, you know, mild to most people of concern to the young children and the elderly and the immune compromised as you know, many things are over the weekend. I were, I was in Philadelphia, uh, visiting my in-laws and we were browsing around downtown, going to the Christmas market. And in one of the stores, they had one of those Dr. Fauci mugs. Science is sexy. Greg, it was 50% off, which I think is a sign <laughs> the pandemic really is over. Even the merchandising stage of the pandemic is over. So you know, the, the question of, oh, is, zero, is China handling the, the pandemic better than us? That issue has been resolved. We, we've, we're done with it. We're, we're moving on with our lives. We've managed to you know not turn it into this you know fatal threat to you know the overwhelming majority of Americans. China hasn't done that. And oh, by the way, their vaccines don't work as well. And oh, by the way, they didn't get their vaccines into the elderly, which you kind of start to wonder if this is some sort of you know effort to reduce the burden on the state or something like that. Um, but you know, we, we've had an argument for like the first year and a half of the pandemic. Was China doing something smarter? No, they weren't. 
They really weren't. It is a failure of a policy. And we see the consequences right in front of us in, you know, in China right now. The second key lesson of this is you can look at this, you can look at the protests we've talked about in Iran. The protests in Russia, you know, were not able to gain much traction, but there were some pretty decent big crowds out there. This idea of, oh, real politic and, ah, you know, we have no choice but to work with these regimes and we just have to avoid conflict and it's okay to have economic ties with them and we can, surely we can trust the Iranians, let's get a a nuclear deal with them, etc. You know, Pete, you know, I don't know if you need to fully embrace George W. Bush's, I I suppose, semi-infamous statement, freedom is the yearning for every human heart. Uh, Some people don't want freedom. Some people want to be the oppressors. Some people want stability. There are other competing interests. But I do think the idea of not being forced to do certain things by your government, whether it is to participate in an invasion of Ukraine as in Russia, or to cover your hair and to be religiously religious and modest in Iran, or to simply go out and be able to live your life and go to work and, you know, make a living and, and leave your apartment. As we've seen in China, there is that yearning for humans to say, no, stop it. Let me live my life. Leave me alone. And if you're an American, that is our ally. We don't like autocratic oppressive regimes because they never keep to themselves. They never remain to be, oh, just a problem over there. Sooner or later, they export their problems somewhere else, and it does become our business. So good for you, Chinese citizens. I hope that zero COVID comes to an end. I hope this is the beginning of a real significant lasting change in, in China. I'm not hoping my holding my breath for it, but I'm glad to see it, and hopefully we see some real changes coming down the road. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the courage we're seeing in places like China and Iran and elsewhere, uh, it's, it's certainly inspiring. Hopefully the public unrest in China is not met in the same way it was more than 30 years ago. And at the same time, hopefully it distracts Xi Jinping from uh, doing whatever he uh, eventually wants to do in Taiwan and some other places. So uh, there's potentially a number of different good outcomes from this. And and uh, hopefully it, it also means progress uh, ultimately for the Chinese people. But uh, that's going to be a long-term process. The BBC also reporting that uh, goons in Beijing beat uh, beat one of their journalists while covering protests in Shanghai. So hopefully that... The World Cup or something? Uh, we'll find out. Hey, by the way, the Fauci stuff. Did you find any of the Fauci votive candles where if you peeled off the sticker, it had Bob Mueller underneath? Because <laughs> that's the, the way hero worship has gone for the left lately. You know, there are very few things that offend me religiously, but that one is there. Uh, and if you, you know, like if you, I hope you've never buy one of those, dear listeners. Yeah, it's a free country. Do what you want. But you should not be looking for any celebrity, much less any political celebrity to play that role in your life. Yes, something's gone horribly wrong <laughs> if, you're, if you're even thinking remotely in that direction, much less buying some of that stuff. But uh, there is stuff you should buy this holiday season because, I mean, there's a lot of different trinkets that you could get. But if you get folks Omaha Steaks, you know you're giving them something delicious that they're absolutely going to love. I love Omaha Steaks. Just got another crate of it and uh, Mrs. Chromis immediately threw them on the grill. They taste so, so fantastic. And in addition to the steaks, you've got the filet mignon burgers and you've got the chicken and you've got the potatoes and the apple tartlets. It's a full meal and uh, it's a fantastic value right now as we're heading into the holidays. Omaha steaks are naturally aged for the ultimate in tenderness, juiciness, and flavor. You can send an assortment of mouth-watering favorites that are guaranteed to impress like the legendary butcher's cut filet mignon, the air-chilled boneless chicken, ultra-juicy burgers, and even an easy-to-prepare comfort meal that can be ready in a flash. 
Omaha Steaks is a gift from the heart, a gift that will be remembered with every unforgettable bite. Order with complete confidence today, knowing that you are ordering the very best. Visit omahasteaks.com and use the promo code MARTINI at checkout to get an extra $30 off your order. A minimum order may be required. OmahaSteaks.com, promo code Martini at checkout. OmahaSteaks.com, code Martini. Mm, Love those steaks. All right, Jim, on to our bad Martini now. And we just talked about the courage of the people in China, the courage of the people in Iran. But as is the case with autocratic regimes, whether it's the godless commies in Beijing or the mullahs, the theocrats in uh, Tehran, they don't like that. And so there's going to be repression. And so the beatback of the protesters usually continues apace. And unfortunately, that's what's happening in some places in Iran. Hat tip to hot air for this story. Hope I'm saying this name right. The members of the Basij, uh, the volunteer paramilitary wing of Iran's elite revolutionary guard, are being praised by Iran's supreme leader, Ayatollah Ali Khamenei, for their efforts in quashing protests. He praised the forces during a televised address on Saturday. At the same time, dozens of eye doctors warned that there is a rising number of protesters who are being blinded by those violent forces as they break up anti-government protests. Now, according to a reporting from the Seattle Times, uh, the quote is, the Basij should not forget that the main clash is not with the people, but the global hegemony, uh, Khamenei said, referring to the United States. Uh, extolling the military and social virtues of the Basij over the decades, Khamenei said the forces sacrificed themselves in order to save people from a bunch of rioters and mercenaries, referring to the recent countrywide unrest. Quote, they sacrificed themselves in order to confront oppression. However, according also to the Seattle Times, 140 ophthalmologists raising concerns about a rising number of patients with severe eye injuries resulting from being shot with metal pellets and rubber bullets, according to a pro-reform Iranian news site and Iran International, as well as other sites on social media. Quote, unfortunately, in many cases, the hit caused the loss of sight in one or both eyes. And so, Jim, uh, tactics, of course, that would be uh, considered far beyond the pale here for the most part. So, uh, what do you make of uh, Iran, I guess, doing what we probably expected them to do in the face of protests that have uh, not only raged for months now inside Iran, but leaked to the World Cup and uh, seeing uh, folks all around uh, uh, their country very publicly now standing up for change? So I, I kind of alluded to this a bit in our discussion of the previous martini, that the Biden administration, no matter how widespread the protests in Iran get, no matter how much courage we see from ordinary Iranians standing up to their government and saying, stop, no, we've had enough of this. We demand change. You know, one, the statements from the Biden administration generally seem, as I said, kind of checking the box. You know, there's no particular passion towards it. And it certainly doesn't seem like uh, nudging towards regime change or doing everything we can to undermine the stability of the Iranian regime uh, is certainly not on the menu. And then in fact, we keep going back to the negotiating table. We keep insisting if we have just, we're just one more summit in Switzerland away from reaching a lasting deal uh, with Iran, no matter how much this is uh, frightening its neighbors, no matter how much this is threatening Israel, the philosophy is allegedly called realism or real politic, but it's really not. In fact, it's spectacularly unrealistic. It's spectacularly unrealistic to expect the character of this regime to change. You know, the idea also of the United States not choosing to give a full-throated support for this kind of protest movement and to not, you know, denounce it with everything we've got, not to go at the United Nations. You know, we can muster an enormous amount of diplomatic pressure when we want to. We saw it when Russia invaded Ukraine. 
And yet it just never seems that important enough. And it all seems to stem from saving the Iran deal, which was the you know one of the big foreign policy projects of the Obama administration. And I keep down, I kind of have this sneaking suspicion that this goes back to a question that was put to Barack Obama way back in 2007. The very beginning of the the you know 2008 election cycle, somebody asked Obama, "Would he meet with?" And they listed off a bunch of world dictators. I'm pretty sure Bashir Assad was on the list. I'm pretty sure uh, the Ayatollah was on the list. Hugo Chavez, um, basically the world's most notorious actors, and said, "Are you willing to meet them without preconditions?" Uh, and the Obama said, "Yes." And there were a whole bunch of peaceniks in the Democratic Party who just, their hearts went aflutter with that. Now, the great irony is like a week later, Obama said, well, of course, there'd be preconditions. <laughs> so he actually walked it back. But by that point, you know, a lot of liberals had seen what they wanted to see. Oh, by the way, the great irony is that, you know, within fast forward about a decade, Donald Trump is meeting with uh, the North Korean leaders in, in ways like this and allegedly had invited the Taliban to a summit at, uh, at Camp David. Uh, and he wanted to sign a deal on the anniversary of 9-11 and things like that. So the parties completely reversed their positions on that one. But it really feels like we are in this fundamental place of like the Biden administration just doesn't want to see the Iranian regime for what it is. Because doing so would say, hey, you know what? Reaching out and trying to get a deal with these guys was always a dumb idea. What the hell were we thinking? And, you know, they will dig in their heels for as long as it takes to, you know, to avoid admitting, oh, uh, this guy we all agreed and followed and worked with, Barack Obama, was wrong about the Iranians way back when. He made a very similar mistake back in 2009. You know, history is repeating itself with Iran today. All right, Jim, on to our crazy martini now. And uh, this story probably got buried a little bit due to the, the timing around the holidays, but uh, we're going to give it some attention now. Uh, President Trump has announced, of course, that he's running uh, again in 2024. Uh, we'll see who else is getting in. Uh, one person who seems to be running, although I'm not sure as a Republican, Democrat, Independent or what is uh, Kanye West? Kanye West had dinner with Trump uh, at uh, Mar-a-Lago at some point last week. Also there was Kanye West's campaign manager, Milo Yiannopoulos. Yes, yes, he's still around. As well as Nick Fuentes. And Nick Fuentes is uh, about as directly racist as you can get. Uh, and so the fact that uh, this known commodity and these known commodities uh, were having dinner with uh, Trump at Mar-a-Lago does not speak well of him, although Trump uh, claims that uh, he planned to have dinner with Kanye and didn't know Kanye was bringing Fuentes or even who Fuentes was. But even crazier than that, because, of course, Kanye had the red hat and now he's running a separate campaign from Trump in 2024, Milo with a disgusting post on Gab, which I guess is kind of redundant, but he says, uh, Nick and Ye didn't discredit Trump's 2024 campaign with that dinner meeting. Trump did that himself by having the most boring low energy announcement speech in history. Still quoting Milo here, I want to stress that. He did it by continuing to suck the boots of the Jewish powers that be who hate Jesus Christ, hate our country, and see us all as disposable cattle according to their holy book. I'm not going to read any more of that. It's just too repulsive. So uh seems that uh, these people haven't learned anything, Jim. And if anything, uh, they're more disgusting than they were before. So uh, when you have known commodities like this, I don't know why you're sharing dinner with them. Well, Trump, in, you know, issued that statement saying, well, I had no idea who he was. Uh, OK, I, one, I don't know if I believe that he did a similar line with David Duke uh, back when he was running for president in 2016. Sec even if you don't, 
Trump's statement of, oh, I didn't know who he was. He didn't follow it up with any. And Nick Fuentes is a disgusting human being who I want to, you know, kick in the shins or other places. There was no denunciation of Nick Fuentes' denial of the Holocaust. There was no denunciation of uh, Kanye West saying he's going to, quote, death con three, unquote, on the Jews. Uh, Greg, I noticed that uh, Kanye West's anti-Semitism and hatred is so ignorant, he can't even be bothered to look up the DEFCON process and how it works. <laughs> DEFCON 1 is the most extensive, uh, highest state of alert. DEFCON 5 is the calmest state. What he's saying is going to DEFCON 3, 1, it's DEFCON, not DEFCON. And then 2, he's actually saying I'm, I'm going somewhere in the middle. Nothing you know, like 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 it's it's not a, he can't even be hateful. Right. He's an idiot. He's an idiot of every single stretch of the imagination. One of the more fascinating details and God knows that this is true, but it certainly fits is that Kanye West allegedly asked Donald Trump to be his running mate, which deeply offended Donald Trump. Like, how dare you? And his argument was not Kanye. You're no what you're. I'm barely uh, qualified for the presidency. You're not. You're absolutely insane. You keep going on these uh, vicious, hateful, anti-Semitic diatribes. You belong nowhere near the Oval Office. No, no. The Trump objection was, you can't beat me, Kanye. <laughs> it, it was a small convention of lunatics. It was a small convention of people whose names I'd be perfectly happy to never hear for the rest of my life. The other kind of last concluding thought is, Republicans, we got a big decision coming up in about a year, a little more than a year. You know, we're probably January 2024. First caucuses and primaries are going to occur. Now, look, I, you know, you want to say I was never Trump. Yes. If you want to say I've always been, you know, skeptical of him, wary of him. Uh, I try to give him credit where I think it's due. Judicial court nominees, tax cuts, defense policy, killing Soleimani, right to try criminal justice reform. I'm not saying he didn't go, do some good things as president. But I think it's pretty clear that, you know, if uh, if Donald Trump was ever playing with the full deck, I don't think he is now. Age is not his friend. It's ironic from a party that keeps ripping into Joe Biden, justifiably for his age. And now he's announced he was president earlier than almost anybody else had, other than John Delaney. He announces one week after the midterm, well, we've still got a runoff going on. He's running for president. He didn't do much after that speech, except he had dinner with some of the most, you know, like with one, Kanye West, who has set his reputation on fire, whatever he had before, by becoming outright anti-Semitic and crazy, and Nick Fuentes, and apparently Milo Yiannopoulos. Like that's the, you know, this is like the Mount Rushmore of lunatics. And I'm just kind of left wondering, why? Why would we go back to this? What? Are, who's yearning for this? Who's asking for this? And if you're a Republican, why would you, like, you know, if you nominate this guy, you got to try to drag him kicking and screaming. Because as I described in this, uh, you know, in a, a jolt a little while ago, Donald Trump, the more you tell him, don't put that metal fork into the, into the electrical socket. He will say, you're not the boss of me. And he will try to stick it into the electrical socket just to show you that he can do it. This is what Donald Trump does. And it's getting worse and worse. Americans, choose carefully. Well, now that uh, everybody's taking shots here at Trump, uh, Kanye running against him, Milo with this statement, maybe that'll make uh, Trump dislike them and make sure that they never spend time together. I guess that would be the best thing to come out of this. Anyway, Jim, on that note, I have to say I'm impressed with the quality of your voice today. I know you generally <laughs> tend to get pretty loud at the Jets games, which tells me uh, one of two things, probably both. One, you know you had to do a podcast today, so you kept yourself under control. Or B, the Bears made it so uncompetitive that there wasn't a lot of tension <laughs> and the need to yell a lot during the second half. Yeah, Mike White. Mike White. No, uh, yeah, you hear a little bit of my voice, but yeah, I try not to just screech because, you know, someone's depending on my voice actually lots of us are depending on my voice i'm depending <laughs> on my voice um so yeah greg it's been a it's been it was a fun weekend but it's good to be back and uh i suspect we have a 
Uh, not so quiet week ahead of us. Yeah, I think this is going to be a wild stretch here uh, as we go to the to the home stretch towards Christmas here. But uh, good way to start the week, Jim. Talk to you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Columbus of Radio America. Thanks so much for being with us today. Do subscribe to the podcast if you don't already, and please tell your friends about us as well. Thanks so much for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Please keep those coming. Get us on your home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch Podcast. Buy Jim's new book for Christmas, Gathering Five Storms, the accompanying short story, just 99 cents, Saving the Devil. And also uh, follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a terrific Monday and join us again on Tuesday for the next Three Martini Lunch. We have good news in the war against fentanyl. I'm Sarah Carter. On the latest Sarah Carter Show, I'll tell you about how several of our law enforcement agencies teamed up to carry out the biggest drug bust we've had in years. I'll also explain how the feds raided the creator of a website about UFOs and the possibility of other life in our universe. Plus, I'll respond to some of your comments. Follow The Sarah Carter Show wherever you get your podcasts.